0: This episode is brought to you by Communications Training for Coffee Teams, a new MAPPA Forward workshop tailored to get your team communicating more confidently to improve general mental health as well as business profitability. Click the link in the show notes for further details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by MAPPA Forward friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode four of a five-part series with Carly Garner from Dakali Trading. And we are kind of traversing the idea of whether there's a financial crisis coming or not. um, I don't know if we've decided that there's one coming, Carly. I think we think maybe not, but maybe yes. I think that we're going to just keep going with that. Um, so you are a commodities trader, and one of the commodities that you trade is coffee. And uh, I kind of want to ask the question, what is the impact of what's going on right now on the coffee industry? Not not the coffee industry, but on coffee trading. Okay. So in
1: On the surface, it probably shouldn't have much impact at all for a couple of reasons. Uh, The futures industry is based on leverage and risk. And so we're kind of equipped and used to handling it a little better than uh, a traditional bank or or most other businesses. So this is literally what we do. So with that in mind, I think that we're probably a little more um, able to absorb this kind of chaos. Also, commodity exchanges provide the leverage not the uh, brokerage or the the firm that's holding the money so it's a little bit different there's more um there's more risk buffers so for mm-hmm. example if uh this is a little off topic but if somebody has a futures trading account and they buy a coffee future let's say the margin seven grand they may only have 10 or 15 grand in their account but they're controlling a futures contract that's worth a lot more. Then seven to ten thousand they're they're mm-hmm. controlling a, a massive amount of coffee let's say uh hypothetically 30 40,000. Mm-hmm. so they're trading on leverage but that leverage is kind of um manufactured by the products itself it doesn't exist in the actual system until it does when they lose more than they have on deposit then suddenly they come after me their broker if i can't pay which uh has never happened because I'd be out of the business and retired mm-hmm. if that was a situation, but then they go after my, uh, business partners. Then they go after the higher up in the FCM. So the exchange always gets paid. So we have our leverage, uh, backstopped in many, many places, and it's probably not going to be impacted by the bank situation. Also when people put money in a commodity account, it's not FDIC insured. So we're really, um, Used stringent. to having that, yeah, to having that risk and knowing to spread money between different brokers, different banks, because that's just the risk that we live with every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just don't know any better. So <clears throat> from that side of things, it's, it's not really gonna impact us. But indirectly, it can impact us because here's what could happen. Let's say that the banking situation gets a little worse, and people start to panic, and they start putting their money in well, continue putting their money in treasuries or Bitcoin or whatever Mm -hmm. it is they decide is safer than cash in the bank. What people start doing is they liquidate their assets all at the same time. And that's going to include things that they have going on in the commodity markets. So they could be liquidating their corn, their coffee, their crude oil. Um, And this is even small businesses that are hedging. Mm. They basically just go into liquidation mode and it generally happens all at the same time. So it's not like, coffee's at 170 and you see it dribble lower to 140 as people sell out and move their money to other places. No, it literally will go from 170 to 140 in a couple of days and you see that sort of thing going on. So that's really the risk is if everybody decides to liquidate and go to cash and then treasuries or whatever it is they're doing all at the same time. And we've seen that a few times in history in 2008, Mm -hmm. all assets traded as one. Everybody liquidated their gold, their silver, their grains, their stocks, their bonds, literally all at the same time, and everything just kind of mini crashed. Uh, we saw it again, and I think it was 2011 or 2012. So those sorts of things can happen. And that's the biggest risk that I see with the banking situation is just people liquidating commodities and um, causing a big deflationary event is what generally happens.
0: And folks, I want to kind of draw that idea even further for the real life effects of that in the cash market for coffee producers. Because coffee producers sell their coffee on a daily basis based on what's going on in the C market, this is the coffee futures market. And so mm. if the price crashes, it in a very real sense, coffee producers are directly impacted immediately when something like that happens, because the value of the commodity that they're selling, coffee, goes down. And then we end up Having real life ramifications at the producing end.
1: You're right. you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and as a farmer or producer, it seems unfair, and I totally understand that because you're you're paying the consequences for logistical market issues. I would point out though, it happens on the other side as well. Uh, you <laughs> know, coffee at 250 probably wasn't fundamentally. Uh, justifiable, but it happens. And we saw it like in 2022, Mm -hmm. 2021, we saw a lot of commodities get much more expensive than they should Mm -hmm. have been. A lot like meme stocks, they get carried away on the upside and the downside, unfortunately. In a perfect world, prices would be more stable and they wouldn't be susceptible to these sorts of, um, you know, liquidation events or uh, like in last couple of years, it wasn't liquidation. It was just euphoria. You know, people, they wanted GameStop Stock, But they also wanted corn and soybeans for no apparent reason. They had no idea what they were buying, but they were throwing money at commodities and pushing prices to silly levels. So those sorts of things happen. And you're right. It impacts the producer, which is why I encourage people to try to hedge their price risk, because uh, most producers that I talk to, unfortunately, they usually under hedge. They're they're more worried about missing the upside and missing out Mm. on all that money they could make than protecting themselves if the opposite happens. Some of our, um, our better hedge clients are those that they're not trying to they don't care about the upside, or that they just want to make sure they lock in their price, that way, they can set their budgets, they know exactly how much they need to turn a profit, they know exactly how much they're going to get because they've locked their prices in, in advance. And they just try not to let it bother them if they miss out on the upside. And I, honestly, um, it's not as exciting or as fun. But that's the the most solid business plan that I can see.
0: And unfortunately, you end up in a situation where we are right now, um, where producers are saying, hey, we're not making anywhere near as much as you think we are, uh, where in fact the cost of production is far higher than the sea market price. Our loans are between 20 to 30%. The interest rates on ag loans are crazy, and it looks like we're headed into another kind of cycle of where people are going to need producers are going to need to borrow money to cover a lot of their losses and the cost of production for the next season it's a self-perpetuating cycle where generations just carry more and more or shoulder the -hmm. the situation from the generations before them
1: yes Um, farming is a difficult business and i just want to throw one more thing out there please when prices are high and uh, in coffee, they're still relatively high. We're not as high as we were a year ago or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're still relatively high. And uh, as humans, though, we see last year, it was 230. This year, it's 170. Mm. So the tendency is for uh, them to plant more or try to cultivate more. And I'm not talking about just about coffee, it happens in all the eggs. Mm. And so that in itself also puts downward pressure on the on the price. So it just ends up being a vicious, yes, a vicious cycle of supply demand.
0: Which ends up becoming predictable,
1: right? You would think so. It should be. In theory, it should be very predictable. It's predictable at the very peaks and valleys because you know those prices are unsustainable. But what makes it very difficult is the timing. When coffee was down at 80, 90 cents, We all knew at some point it's going to turn around and those weren't going to last because that's just how it works it gets so cheap people stop producing and then the prices go the other way but sometimes they can linger down there for uh, several months or even mm-hmm. a couple of years before it moves. So while they are somewhat predictable, it's not as easy as you would you would think to make money off of it. And I'm saying that uh, in full honesty because I do the you know i I want people to make money, but I want them to also understand it's not as easy as it looks from the outside when you're actually participating. Um, kind of like when crude oil was at $130 a barrel. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild, yeah, wild. It happened fast. It was pretty well, obvious to me that that was unsustainable. But making money off of that was really, really difficult because mm-hmm. we were seeing $10, 15 swings intraday. That's like ten to $15,000 on a single contract. I mean, it was just complete insanity. So it's, it's a lot easier from the sidelines, trust me.
0: i got to ask, what do you think has been the shift over the – because it feels like it's like a, a three- or four-year shift where people – like the people who are playing in these fields – uh, in these markets has definitely changed over the past three or four years. There's there's an element that's come into it that has kind of just made it a bigger mess. Nothing is predictable anymore. Anyway. Am I reading this no, scenario
1: right? You're right. You're absolutely right. So one thing I forgot to mention with, with the uh, SVB fallout mm-hmm. is – First of all, they needed better risk management. I'm gonna. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not saying they didn't have a problem there, but the last three, let's say two three years, people that have experience and know how markets should behave probably were at a bit a big disadvantage because markets behaved in ways they should never behave, and so it was kind of like um, if you just were born today and you looked at a chart, you'd be a lot. You'd have a better chance of making money than someone that's been doing this for 20 years. Right. And I'm not exactly sure what it is. My personal opinion is a couple things going on um, with all of the stimulus and money printing and all the things that went on to inject money into the economy after COVID. It brought a lot of market participants that usually don't trade commodities. they just came out of the woodworks a lot like, you know, like what we saw in the meme stocks that we've talked about or the cryptocurrencies. So people that were throwing money at things they didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of blew up in our faces. Um, and a lot of it is the ETF business has grown, it, moved into commodities. So it used to be if you wanted to trade corn or ETF, soybeans or
0: whatever. Help everyone on some ETFs.
1: Electronic trade uh, funds. So an ETF is like a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it way more convenient for the average, you know, anybody that has a cell phone with a Webull account or Robinhood or whatever, they look at their phone in the morning and they can see a heat map. And if a heat map happens to have some ETF on it that everybody's thrown money into, they just jump on the bandwagon and throw money into it, not Shout knowing what Kathy exactly, <laughs> not knowing at all where, where their money's going, what it's doing. For example, there was a there's an ETF, it's called Wheat. The symbol the symbol is uh WEAT. And what they did was they took people's money that you know that were purchasing the ETF, put it into the futures markets. Well, the futures markets aren't big enough to absorb every kid, every 20-year-old mm-hmm. kid on his app buying wheat through Robinhood. And so all this money came in and by law by the uh, rules of the fund, they have to allocate a certain percentage of it. So they were forced to throw it into a commodity market that just did not have the liquidity to handle it. And what we got was, wow, I think it was six days of limit up trading, which uh, in futures, the exchanges only allow futures contracts to go up or down a certain amount. So if it reaches a limit, that means it gets locked and nobody can trade until the next day. So we went six days of all of this money just randomly coming in from, Probably some 22 year old kid in Chicago that's, that has no idea what he's buying. And uh, eventually, once it all made its way into the market and everything settled down, wheat had gone from like kind of rounding, but from $8 to $13. Jeez. And then it collapsed back. Now wheat's at like $7. So you can see, just imagine if you're a farmer and you're trying to run a business on a product that goes from $7 to $13 to $7 for no really good reason other than speculative money and chaos and all of Mm -hmm. these things going on. So I think you're right. I think there's just a younger, newer tech savvy crowd that maybe they're tech savvy, but they're probably not commodity savvy. And it really is uh, wreaked havoc on the markets. But I suspect they've probably gotten burned pretty badly in the last couple of months. And if that's the case, hopefully we'll get back to a more normalized market. But time will tell.
0: It's going to be interesting to watch. I know a lot of people who suffered a lot of pain. They, you know, my intuition, this is a quote, my intuition was telling me to buy GameStop. So I went and borrowed money from people to buy GameStop. And I held and I held and I held and I held and then I lost everything. And that was the reality for a whole bunch of people. It was. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel bad for them, but I kind of don't. Um It's
1: the way it's supposed to work though. It is, you took a risk and you got greedy. And I mean, not you, but you know, people that did that, that's, that is what it is. That's part of the game, so.
0: yeah. So we have one episode to go um, and we're gonna be talking about de-risking from global events. So join us for the next episode, folks. Uh, I I really hope that we have done this so far in a way that makes sense for people. um, Because this can be one of those topics that people like you know they hear words like hedging and they hear words (laughs) like puts and and options and blah 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 and they're like uh no understando so um I hope that that we have been doing an okay job folks um so we'll see you in the next episode peace love and peanut butter have an amazing rest of your day